It's okay. We're ready to go. I gave the dog her roofie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Um, the uh, the little puppy had uh, woman surgery and has been gnawing at her uh, incision. So uh, the vet said, well, we can put her on some kind of medication to keep her from doing that. And so what's that? Uh, it's it's basically a dog roofie. Fantastic. I'll take a year's worth. <laughs> yeah, is is she walking around like the little lamp from Pixar? Well, she, she's a, she stumbles every once in a while. Then she goes into her box and lies down and falls asleep. It's uh it's for her own good. We're not abusing our animal here. We would never do anything like that. However, we do desperately need to uh, make sure that she doesn't rip her guts open. The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers or the animal control authorities. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is not our fault. <laughs> it's fine. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. U2 is not phased by complaints it carpet-bombed iPhone users with its new album. The Edge says he'd do it again. Joan Rivers returns from the dead to buy the ubiquitous smartphone. Steve Jobs unavailable for comment. The fade-out is fading away. The top songs of the 80s all faded out. But the kids today like a track with a hard out. Phillips beats Beats by Dr. Dre to the punch with a new headphone connector and will tell you why you don't want it. Plus, a GNB update on our live on-location show and why the porn business is fighting for your online rights. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So, did you end up getting your iPhone 6 or not? Um, I'm waiting for it. Oh. I'm tracking it. it. It left Shanghai last week and will arrive uh, at my door with the signature required on Thursday. One moment. Siri, are you iPhone 6? Oh. I'm sorry, Michael. I'm afraid I can't answer that. <gasps> He's being coy. He? He. Yes, I changed the uh, the gender. You transgendered Siri? Yes, I transgendered Siri. Siri has the option to switch between male or female voice, and I thought I'd switch it up because everybody uses the female sexy voice. Yeah. I thought I'd use the male voice and just catch everybody off guard. All right, well, good for you. Okay, I'm comfortable with my sexuality. I'm okay with this. All right, fine, 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 fine. I got the 128 just like you did, although I didn't pay the eleven hundred dollars. I didn't for get it. the 120. No, 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 no. I got the 64. You only got the 64? Well, I didn't. I, didn't, I don't need it. I, I, I honestly don't need it because um, I, I mean, I've got a 64. 5s in front of me and it's uh i still got 24 gigabytes left all of my music is on it all of my videos are on it and all of my family photos as well and i still have about 40 gigs left on it that's a lot it is it is 128 seems to be a little bit of overkill also a little bit overkill the actual size of the thing i know you printed out the template so that you could get a sense of the size of it uh, and that's why you didn't go with the plus the plus is like an ipad mini mini what do, what do you have I did get the six, the regular six. The regular six, okay, but it, good. But in unto itself, even at 4.7 inches, just feels just a little bit big in my little wee girly hands. Yeah, I was going to say you got the, the wee girly hands. Now, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't get the six plus because I've seen some reviews now, people thinking, hmm, seemed like a really good idea at the time, but uh, they don't fit in my jeans. I wouldn't want to put this in my back pocket, and uh, it doesn't fit in a lot of other pockets that I have. Yeah. I get so many things. 
When it launched, of course, they also launched with uh, that new Songs of Innocence album by U2. You got a chance to sit down and talk to The Edge. I did. Uh, he gave me a call, and I asked some tough questions. Including, is the new album spam? <laughs> well, I'm a journalist, don't you think? And, and he was actually quite gracious about how he answered the question. We're, we're not naive enough to think that everyone is going to like our work. Um, there are times when, when, when I think that people who don't like you two are just not trying hard enough. But, you know, in the end, when you've got 500, 600 million people getting your album, of course, it's, it's you know, it's not everyone's going to want it or like it. And we're fine with that. We're, we're, we're cool with, with people, you know, if they want to throw it in their spam junk mail, that's up to them. But what's exciting to us is the number of people that are, are getting to hear our music maybe for the first time. And, you know, all of our albums over the, over the last couple of weeks have re-entered the top 50 or 150 of, of the iTunes charts and so far 38 million people have listened to this album so I think it's working I think our songs are going to become more famous because of this way of distributing the album than if we'd gone for a conventional release and I think that's our job really as artists is to make our work known, understood and appreciated by the greatest number of people possible You mentioned as well that um, there originally was a relationship with Apple, as we knew, because they came up with the iPod that had all of the uh, discography on it. And then they crossed the street and went to BlackBerry. And now they're back with Apple. Yeah. And, and uh, the I asked that question, too. Why did you have the falling out with Apple? Why did you go to BlackBerry? And how did you manage to come back to Apple? Well, you know, we've kept our, our friends um, close at Apple over the years. And that, that release, you know, we'd been talking to Apple at the time. And for various reasons, it, it didn't seem like the right moment for us to, to do something with them. I think we we couldn't really quite sort of figure out how we were going to do something that was right for us and also made them happy and Steve happy. Steve was, was really the person that we were talking to in those days. Um, so in the end, it didn't happen. We, we, we did something with BlackBerry, which was which was fun. But, you know, looking back, I can, I can say that, uh, you know, the, the times we've worked with Apple, we've been able to do things that have never been done before. And that's, that's certainly the case with this release. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's good. Maybe the, the, the fact that we couldn't come up with something at that moment meant that um, it kept, kept this opportunity fresh and, 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 you know, exciting. And so, it's 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 all good. You asked him about a, a new album, maybe a new format? Yeah, there was some confusion. Bono was making some remarks about the next album, which will be called Songs of Experience, coming out in some sort of new format. And everybody's thinking, oh, HD audio, some sort of high-res audio. What, what does it mean? No, it's, it's more about the packaging of the record, apparently. Well, we're working on some new ideas, which we hope we, we might be able to... Um, to kind of utilize for the release of Songs of Experience. And it's too early really to say, but I think it's, it's kind of a combination of both those things. And, you know, we as artists want to try and make music, um, you know, be 
a, a part of people's lives that 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 they enjoy in many different settings and in different ways, and that it, it you know, I remember what it, what it was like for me as a, a 16, 17 year old to get a new album and to to really dive into it and 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 explore it and allow it to kind of become the soundtrack to my life for a period. And I think music's lost some of that importance, and I think that it's it's sort of up to the artist and and the record companies and and the technologists to try and get music to people find people where they are and 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 give them an experience that that does connect with them in a deep way and i think it's you know the 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 way it's become a little bit more like a kind of utility like a bit of tap water you you want some you turn the tap and there it is it, you know it's an inevitable result of the way technology is, has has given people this um, such an easy access to the entire um, library of, of, of rock and roll that's ever been made it's, it's diluted somewhat the the kind of occasion of of an album release, and um, we're hoping to to kind of claw back some of that so that it's 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 more important to people now than well in the future than it has been. Okay, so when when can we expect this next year? Year after? Yeah, I think. Well, you know, it's too early to say for sure, but that would be our intention. Would be in fairly short order to try and get part two out but um, we still got to finish it and I don't want to say anything about a release date again <laughs> until we really know what we have we, we're, we're going to put it out when it's ready that's, that's all I'd be prepared to say and when it comes down to it the edge was asked would you release this album the same way you release songs of innocence so far he's he's okay with everything I, i'm actually amazed at how well it all went i i we really didn't quite know what was going to happen and um you know we thought there might be massive technical problems but it you know apple are are amazing at what they do and it's all gone so smoothly i mean there's obviously been some negative press but mostly the stuff i've seen has been really positive in the album i think has been getting a lot of positive reviews um yeah we we did spend a lot of time making it we we made sure the songs were fully realized it was important to us that that this was an album that we could really um completely get behind on every level and um so i I think we're going to make a lot of new fans as a result of this record and the way it's been released frankly i think i'd rather talk to the edge than bono himself well, I got to tell you, you know, I listened to some of the interviews that Bono did the same day that Edge was doing his, and a lot of Bono's answers to some of his some of the questions were rather cookie cutter. Uh, the Edge seemed to be rather engaged with uh, what I was talking about, which was which was nice to hear. I think everybody else, or so many other people, managed to uh, were just like, "Oh my God, I'm talking to Bono." And it's just like, "Yeah, it's Edge, come on, let's have a conversation." My bugging you. You're listening to Geeks and Beats on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Bell Media Radio Network. 
the fade-out of the fade-out in popular music. So the fade-out, this idea of a song not having a defined end, instead just fading off into the silence as you repeat the chorus over and over again, this began in about 1950, shortly after people started making recordings using magnetic tape. And I always thought that it was a, a laziness on the part of the recording engineer or the musician who actually wrote the track themselves. They couldn't come up with a, a good, solid, single end to the track. Instead, they just opted to fade the thing out into oblivion because they couldn't come up with something better. Yeah, that's that's my take on it. couple of things. Um, the idea was, and this is how it was explained to me, the idea was that you fade out the track, repeating the chorus over and over again into the silence. Give, that gives the impression that the party, the song, the hook, the great feeling, the vibe of the song never ends. It just goes away until it comes back one more time. Uh, other people said uh, just exactly what you said. It saves them from writing an ending, and it makes it a little bit easier on radio DJs to uh, mix the song creatively rather than wait for the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the best example would be the best example of the the, the greatest fade out is is probably Hey Jude. I mean, how long do those na 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 nas go on <laughs> forever? I mean, that's that's pretty much the last half of the song until they finally decided that they ran out of breath and they're just going to fade everything out. What I thought thought was neat was a uh, Billboard magazine has this year end top ten hits number of songs that fade out in the top ten, and we peaked. In 1985, with every single song fading out in the end. And today, it's only one out of ten. It doesn't seem to be cool to fade out a song. I, I, I don't know what that, what that means, other than it's just the trend. We end songs cold. That's what we radio people say. When a song ends abruptly, it ends cold. Yep. Or it ends with a last chord, which is just a, a last chord that fades out that you could mix out of naturally. And then from the DJ world, you've got a third type, which is the false ending. Ah, the false ending. When the song ends... And then it doesn't and keeps going for a little bit. And then it finally ends. Back in the olden days, before it was all automated, I would get burned on that maybe one out of every four times. And you have to put on the log file that this was a song that had a, a false ending or a double out. Yeah. And the best example of that is Peter Gabriel's Shock the Monkey. Shock the Monkey. Yes. When you think fashion, you think geeks and beats. Fresh from the runways of Milan and Paris, it's the G&B Fall Jacket. Great for early morning runs or standing in line at Starbucks on your phone. Show your support for the big show with the only fall jacket you'll ever need. Go to geeksandbeats.com slash swag today. Back to the iPhone. Apparently, the iPhone 6 was so good, Joan Rivers returned from the dead to buy one. Did you hear about this? <laughs> yeah, I did. Obviously, that was Joan's people, but I, I, I like the snark here. I like, <laughs> I like this. Explain. 26 minutes after the uh, iPhone 6 was released to the public at large, um, Joan Rivers' Instagram account tweeted... 
This badass is being replaced by an iPhone 6, not the fat one. I got this one in 2010, and after four years, my only complaint is that the apps are now designed for bigger screens and the battery is getting tired. Never had a case for it, since it was the most beautiful on its own. Great achievement in design. Great product. Hashtag Apple. Hashtag iPhone. Hashtag text. The ghost of Joan Rivers pulled it down about 20 minutes later. Oh, really? It was only up for 20 minutes? It was only up for about 20 minutes, but long enough for, of course, TMZ uh, to get a hold of it, and they screenshotted it. See, I'm fascinated by TMZ. I, I watch the TV show every week. Do you really? Yeah, I watch it. What, what, I'm going to watch Wheel of Fortune or what, the McClare, um... McNeil Lair Report? Yeah. So you, you, you have to choose between the McNeil Lair Report or TMZ, and at the end of TMZ, do you go upstairs and have a hot shower and scrub? No, no. It's, it's, it's just all fun. So, and there's some very clever writing in there. So I, I, I watch it every, you know, almost every every week. <laughs> to the point of very clever writing, though, uh, as their article, because they've got more than just the screenshot here. Um, the post was removed pronto. Steve Jobs could not be reached for comment. <laughs> <laughs> See? But this just brings back full circle the whole issue of uh, this was clearly a paid advertisement. Do you not think? Do you not think that... They had an arrangement with Apple where Joan Rivers would shortly after the thing come, came out tweet the fact that she had, in fact, gotten one. And then, of course, she died. And because it was all automated, they forgot to remove it from the system. You know what? That might be a very good explanation for this. <laughs> I think it's the only one. Other than, I don't know, maybe somebody in her office. I mean, she, she would have had people who thought that they might want to give uh, a bit of a shout out to Joan now that she's gone. I would like to think that too, but I'm pretty convinced because I, I know behind the scenes Apple will do this. They, they make their products available to influential people in the hopes that they will tweet about it. I live down the street from uh, a big shot in the advertising industry, and he says you would be amazed at the number of big shot celebrities, both Hollywood and in the music world, who are paid a remarkable amount of money, even for a simple reference. Like, like some songs will have a, a, a passing reference to a product in it, that guy got paid for making that passing reference in his song. Well, of course he did. I mean, that, and that's huge in hip-hop, the um, idea of product placement in both uh, song lyrics and videos. Oh, yeah, that's huge. Should have got that insured Geico for your money. money. If you ain't no punk, holla, we want prenup. We want prenup, yeah. It's something that you need to have. And when she leave, your bitch, she gonna leave with half. 18 years, Wait a second. Let's just go back a second. How did you get your phone? Okay. Here's how I got my phone. I did not line up like all the other knobs at the Eaton Center in downtown Toronto for two and a half hours. Some guys were there overnight and they had to be kicked out of the mall and they were lining out outside the building. What I did was three days before the iPhone 6 release, I went to Gerard Square in uh, Toronto, which is in a community called Leslieville. And it's it's not the most posh of malls. So two or three days beforehand, I think it was a Tuesday I went down, I filled out all the paperwork, got my phone all, all set up, and they said, we will call you if your phone is available on the day of. Was this Rogers or Bell? Bell. Oh, so you went to a Bell store. Okay. Sure enough, um, after filling out all the paperwork, I said, what is the likelihood of a space gray 128 gigabyte iPhone 6 making it into my hands on the day of. They pull up the list. I'm at the top of the list. I was the only one who ordered it in the store. And of course, if you order it online, as you found out, it gets delivered to you and it may not arrive in time. They open the doors at 8 a.m. I arrived at 8.05. I was the only one there. The three people behind the counter looked exhausted 
and really annoyed that they had to be there so early because clearly nobody else was. I was there for 30 minutes before the second customer showed up. Really? Oh, great. Now I won't be able to tell the difference on the next release between the unwashed nerds and the transients. Want to show your love of the world's most popular podcast, but don't want to open your wallet? Rate and review The Big Show on iTunes and Stitcher. We're not above bribing you either. The craziest review could win you free crap from the Geeks and Beats swag store. Phillips, meantime, beat Dr. Dre and Apple to, at their own game, according to GMB writer Matt Padani, on these new iPhone headphones. Have you seen these? No. They use the lightning port. Oh, okay. So yeah. This was the big uh, rumor that they were going to use the lightning port for, for Beats headphones. Exactly. And we now know, because the announcement came out for the iPhone 6 that they did not at the time, the Fidelio M2L headphones, which will be released in December for an estimated price of about 300 bucks, will use Apple's lightning connector instead of the standard connector. And I don't know why. Uh, higher fidelity. That much more? Yeah, there's apparently quite a bit more throughput there. Okay, so now the problem is, which means you're tied. Which means you're tied to your iPhone. You can't. You'd have to get an adapter right, to, to use it someplace else. And could you even get an adapter, considering the Lightning connector is digital and therefore it's expecting a digital connection? I I don't know exactly. So you could only use these headphones on an iPhone with a Lightning connector. That's right. Yes. So you'd have to be a pretty dedicated person, an iPhone or an iPad with a Lightning connector. And again, to Matt's point, as he writes on our website, geeksandbeats.com, this is something that we had expected Apple to do first. Phillips has gone ahead and, and jumped the gun on them. That's interesting. I wonder how they managed to do that. I thought lightning connectors were proprietary. They would have to approve it. And I guess clearly they did. So this is nothing that's blindsided Apple. Speaking of blindsiding, you know what blindsided me when I upgraded my iPhone 5 to the iOS 8? And of course, now the, the 6 has the iOS 8 on it as well. Mm-hmm. My knockoff Chinese dirt cheap ordered over eBay uh, charger dock no longer works. Interesting. iOS 7 said, this is not an Apple approved device. It may not work. And it did. And when I plugged it in, it gave me the warning, but it's still charged. When I plug in the new units under iOS 8, it gives me the same warning. It claims to be charging, but it's draining the battery. Interesting. Okay. Well, they were threatening to do something like that. Yeah. Thank you, Apple. Uh, how do you like iOS 8? I like iOS 8 a lot more on the iPhone 6 than I did on the iPhone 5. Yeah, I'm not having... I, I've got a couple of issues with this. If you go into settings, for example, um, there's some issues that I'm having with the Do Not Disturb. Oh, you know, people were calling me and my phone is sitting right next to me. And then the email saying, hey, pick up your phone. It's going right to voicemail. I said, the phone's not buzzing. It's not ringing. It's not doing anything. It's not giving me any any indication that that anybody has called. So I had to go into settings. And then uh, there's a um, under settings under do not disturb. There's allow calls from. And then you have to click on everyone before you start getting stuff through. Well, why would you put it on Do Not Disturb well, no, no, if you do still not disturb, wanted to receive no, no, calls? But, but Do Not Disturb is not on. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a new feature. That's the Joan Rivers mode. <laughs> Ever wanted to be a big shot co-producer? It's just like Hollywood. Visit geeksandbeats.com to learn how you can pad your resume with an exciting show credit. We'll even send you the album cover of your episode, suitable for framing in your parents' basement. We got a uh, reaction on the Geeks and Beats website uh, to young iTunes users asking, what is a U2? 
London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. GMB listener Dr. Proximo uh, writes, pardon my ignorance, but something bothers me about all this overreaction to free stuff. I didn't wake up and suddenly find I had the album. I noticed the album listed, tapped, saw the track list with the cloud icon. My reaction was WTF, free album, okay. I listened to it, I liked it. Why do these others seemingly have it forced on them? Nobody really had it automatically downloaded unless they turn those settings on, right? That's that's true. Even I didn't have it automatically downloaded. He writes, he writes, someone such as a narcissistic handle as Tyler, the creator, should stick to making mediocre music and leave the tech commentary to the pros. Well, he does have a bit of a point here. The, the one thing, and I, I'm not sure if I brought this up or not, but why didn't somebody at a meeting at Apple say, hey, this is a great idea what we're doing with the U2 uh, album? Um, is there anything that could happen that would backfire on us and that this could end up being a bit of a PR disaster? Somebody must have asked that question at the meeting. Somebody had to. Uh, if they did, I'd like to hear the answer. Um, Andrew Lee's uh, tweeted into us saying corporations buying an album, then giving it away free and using it for their ads. It's the future of the music business. Well, he's not wrong. We're probably going to see more stuff like this. A lot of people have been watching the the U two Apple thing very very closely to see, you know, can we do something like this in the future? I mean, the idea of an exclusive album sale is is not uh, is is not a new thing. I mean, uh, Best Buy and and Walmart and, and and Target have been doing this kind of thing for for a number of years now. It's just that we never saw anybody offer an album to 500 million people simultaneously, a free album simultaneously, which I, I want to get back to this. So Apple is actually very good at giving away free music. All you have to do is go to the front page of the iTunes store any day of the week, and you can see how you can get some free stuff. My question is, why didn't they say, hey, we got the new U2 album, go to iTunes Click on the download button, and it's yours, rather than carpet bombing 500 million people with the record. <laughs> carpet bombing. It's, I'm just, it, why didn't they do it that way? It's a tried and true way of giving away free music. This way, it would be an opt-in only thing, rather than a semi-opt-out. Um, or maybe it was, they just wanted to say that they released an album to 500 million people simultaneously. Geeks and Beats update on a conversation we were having last week about how the show is a certain length and that we seem to have an awful lot of real estate agents listening to the big show and therefore we wanted to do a survey. If you are in fact a real estate agent, fire us off a tweet, a Facebook message, email, send us a smoke signal. That way we can actually keep on track the total number of real estate agents actively looking to put you in a back split. And? One. <laughs> Paul Allen, PEI Paul Allen, uh, says not only is he the morning show host on Cubanati Three Rocks in uh, Chi Town, which I think he means Charlottetown. Thank you. In PEI, uh, he is also in the morning. He's a realtor in the afternoon with Parker Realty. <laughs> Okay. And a GMB listener and uh, about 15-year-long crush for me, Shannon Simpson uh, tweeted in that she's not a real estate agent. She blinds people with science. Uh, what? Yes. Not literally, though. Oh, okay. She uh, apparently makes sure that the uh, milk in your milk container hasn't gone bad and will kill you. Okay. Well, thank you. 
Geeks and Beats Miracle Travel Mug of Traveling update. I can see that it's uh, on the road yet again. It is indeed at the Douglas Copeland Gumhead in uh, YVR. Victor Biggio has been out and about uh, tweeting all over the world. Uh, he was at the Commodore Ballroom in... Uh, <laughs> they let him in? in? In Calgary as well. No, no, that's in Vancouver. Commodore Ballroom's in Vancouver. Sorry, thank you. Um, and so he's been all around. Um, and I bought a Geeks and Beats Miracle Travel Mug of Traveling for Wifey. And uh, there she was at Queen's Park in Ontario here, and uh, there was a fire drill. And so everyone had to file out of the buildings. And uh, one GMB listener tweets, fire drill at work today. While leaving the building, I saw someone with a Geeks and Beats Miracle Travel mug. (laughs) Excellent. Ah, happy with that. Isn't that fantastic? Am I going to have to take this to... uh to my Kate Bush show? You're going to have to take it everywhere, dude. As a matter of fact, I need you to get kicked out of the Kate Bush concert by <laughs> taking a picture of you with your mug in front of Kate while she's on the stage. During running up that hill. Great. Yeah, sure. Did I mention my ticket is 443 pounds? Ugh, dude, you're just making me jealous about the fact that you're going to her last ever concert. Yeah, I know. I know. I touched her once. Did I ever tell you that? You texted her once? Touched her. Oh, touched her. Yes, physically. I, I don't know which is creepier, that you can text her or that you touched her. I touched her. It's a long time ago, and I do have her autograph hanging on a... We've been through this. Stop rubbing it in. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. She's the only woman I'd leave my wife for. And my wife knows this. I will speak to her on your behalf when I go to London. My wife? Oh, I thought she was going to speak to my wife. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Don't, no. That, don't, don't talk that to will, that won't work. That'll end in tears. October 9th, we'll be at the Bare Bones and Up Front 2 Indie Music Series. So what are we doing there? Are we doing a podcast from there? Or are we just kind of hanging out? We are going to hang out and do the show there. And then we'll maybe someone will buy us a drink. hope so. Go to geeksandbeats.com slash live to learn more about it. Be the only cool kid at work with a GNB ceramic coffee mug. Run the rest of the road warriors into a ditch of envy with your miracle travel mug of traveling. Or make the kid who takes your coffee order swoon with lust over your sporty GNB fall jacket. Visit geeksandbeats.com slash swag and open your wallet. From high atop the Marconi Tower in downtown Toronto, this is is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth.
That's Video Killed the Radio Star by Young London. They covered the uh, Buggles, was it, 1979? They did that back in uh, 2011. Kind of got a, a Katy Perry sort of thing going on there. Interesting to note, too, is that that's just not something we pulled off of uh, YouTube, where we originally had found it. They're actually making money off this remake of Video Killed the Radio Star. You can get it on uh, iTunes, $1.29. It gets you the whole thing. As a matter of fact, you can buy the whole album uh, from the artist Young London. They've got uh, a collection of other tracks on there as well uh, from their Instincts album. So if you're interested in that. Uh, the original Video Killed the Radio Star was written in 1978 by Bruce Woolley and the Camera Club. Thomas Dolby was the guy who was on keyboards for that. Uh, and then the Buggles uh, did it uh, for their album English Garden. Uh, that was uh, Horn and Downs who put that together. It was recorded and mixed back in 1979. It uh, debuted in September of that year as uh, the debut on Island Records. It was their first album, Age of Plastic. Uh, they actually uh, remixed it in uh, Sarm East Studios. Sarm East Studios, if you're not familiar with this, was a recording studio at the uh, southern end of Brick Lane in East London. They now call it the London Recording Studios. But uh, it was owned by the SPZ Group. Um, Joe Parker's The Clash, Madonna, Queen, uh, they all recorded there as well. Frankie Goes to Hollywood was, uh, he spent a lot of time there as well. And uh, most recently, in addition uh, to uh, Young London, uh, the BBC has used it, Cold Shoulder, Crusty Treats has used it as well. But the neat thing about Video Killed the Radio Star was the music video was written, directed, and edited by R Russell McCahey, uh, which was the first music video ever shown in the United States on MTV. They aired it at 12.01 a.m., August 1st, 1981, and it was the first video shown on MTV Classic as well in the United Kingdom in 2010. Um, it was ranked number 40 on the VH1's 100 Greatest One-Hit Wonders of the 1980s, and uh, it's been covered by a whole bunch of different artists ever since, including Young London, as you heard it there. The Buggles itself actually was formed in 1977. Trevor Horn, Jeff Downs, Bruce Woolley, uh, they all wrote together a video killed the radio star over the course of an hour in one afternoon, six months before they actually sat down to record it in the studio itself uh, at uh, the, the facility. The piece was basically built up from a, a chorus riff uh, that uh, Wooly himself had developed. It's one of three Buggles songs uh, that he uh, he assisted in writing. They had two others, a Clean, Clean, and On TV. Of course, nobody's ever heard of that one. But an early demo of the song itself um, actually helped the group get signed on Island Records in the first place, which got them the Age of Plastic album, and then the rest of it uh, is history. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So podcast listening is a big deal, according to RainNews.com. I don't even know what RainNews.com is. Radio and Internet News. Ow. It's uh, Kurt Hansen. He's out of Chicago. Very good guy. He understands exactly what's going on with uh, new media. I'm looking at this chart. Apparently, AM, FM radio listening is about 27.5% of ear share, whereas podcasting is only 25.9%, only about a point below actual am so in other words we could be as big as am and fm radio well we could as part of the podcasting community this is why we're doing this is because it is a giant giant cottage industry that for well for only a select few have uh, has turned into a money-making operation 
but uh, this podcast is a thing. It is a is a you know, and we do a good podcast. You do a very good thing. You do a very good job of putting this thing together in in a, in a very uh, professional, entertaining way. You're a very good editor. Thank you. Nice job. Thank you. Um, so so people are getting into this idea of of being able to time shift programming that they want to hear, and and you know as as people are, are integrating their phones more into their cars and are looking to get some customized entertainment as on their commutes. I mean, this is a big deal. I, I think I misread this graph. No. I, I don't think this was, we're anywhere near as big as I thought we were. Oh. The 25.9% figure is the share of the ear for someone who actually does listen to podcasts. Oh. So basically 25% of their time is podcast. 25% of their time is terrestrial radio. The rest is music, internet music, Sirius XM, and television-based music. So these are people who do listen to podcasts on a regular basis. That's right. That's fine. There's a lot of them. Yeah. 95% of people who never tuned into podcasts were removed from this particular uh, survey and found that podcast consumers spent nearly as much time listening to them as they did uh, the old-fashioned way. Well, no, I, I agree. I mean, I've got all my tech podcasts. I listen to this podcast. I, you know, just to make sure that you're not screwing up. Um, hey, hey, wait a minute. You actually listen to this show? Quality control. Quality control. You know what? I appreciate that because I never thought you actually listened to the damn thing. Oh, I do. I do. You never said anything to me about that till now. Some people think it's a bit narcissistic, but no, 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 no. You, you have to listen to your own product. You have to eat your own dog food. Well, it, it's like game films. Uh, it, it's it's you watch and you listen. You see what you did. You analyze it, and they try and be better next time. So the porn business has joined the fight for net neutrality. Of course they, <laughs> of course they would. They don't want their packets. Uh, and packages uh, sniffed and filtered. Oh, yeah. Well, watch what you say about being sniffed and filtered. Be I was very careful Thank about you. what I said. This is a Daily Beast article written by porn star Aurora Snow, of all people, writing that Pornhub, YouPorn, and RedTube have led the charge for net neutrality. If you're not familiar with the term net neutrality, uh, the gist of it is is that the big companies that provide the Internet in the United States today want to have a tiered system. So in other words, if you are YouTube, if you are Pornhub or any of the others, you could pay a little bit extra to ensure that your website gets the high speed streaming and, and the dedicated HOV lane on the information superhighway. Whereas if you haven't paid, there's a chance that your viewers are going to get stuttery video or the site might not load as quickly and all of that. So September 10th became internet slowdown day you may have noticed that because netflix was involved in it as well where for a while they put up a a spinning a disc that was uh, sort of reminiscent of the buffering icon and the idea being is that this is what could happen if the united states goes ahead with the net non-neutrality where you can actually be forced to pay up if you want to ensure people get to your site on time I'm sorry I haven't been paying attention to you at all because I'm on Aurora Stone's website. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to go down that rabbit hole either. No, no. But yeah, listen, they're, they're, I don't know how anybody makes any money off porn these days when you go to sites like Pornhub and RedTube. I mean, it, there's clips there for free. I don't know who's paying for the, the, the porn these days either. It strikes me as, as a, a net, net loss. Somehow. Battleforthinternet.com is where you want to go, as opposed to <clears throat> Aurora Snow's website. Uh, and Stone. Aurora Stone. Get it right. What did I say? He said snow. No, okay, it is Aurora Snow. No, it's Aurora Stone. Trust me. I was there. Go back. 
Uh, well, there's... Okay, hang on. I don't know why I'm proving myself here. Uh, oh, wait a second. So there is Aurora Snow, and there's Aurora Stone. <laughs> wait a minute, did you end up <laughs> on somebody else's website? Oh, it's okay. They're both porn stars. Uh, what are the chances of that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there... Oh, my goodness. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.